Uh, Joe mentioned uh, as we're leading up to it, um, just how often we take that for granted. And but man, singing that song, Jesus paid it all. What does that do to you? What does that do inside of you? To think about Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, Son of God, comes and gives us life, and now here we are, two thousand years later, forgiven. That just I hope that blows your mind. I hope that just, man, as we sing that, I just hope inside of you just wells up. Man, I just want to shout from the rooftops, Jesus is king. He came. He saved me. I want to proclaim his goodness. I want to proclaim his grace. And that's what it should do inside of us. I was was walking this morning and I was just thinking like, Lord, how can I not just think about you? How can I not just be consumed with you? How can I not just be just taken with you you're so good you're so kind you're so loving you gave your son jesus christ you forgave me you forgave me how easily my mind slips from that and how just confessing them lord how why is it so easy for my mind to go to so many other things but you the treasure of my life the greatest thing that could ever be found jesus christ how is it that so easily my mind just slips and drifts? And I just, as we sing that song, I hope this morning, Jesus paid it all. As, as, as we sing that last line together, just, oh, praise the one. I hope inside of you, you're just, man, just screaming that. Worshiping God. Spirit and truth. Just worshiping God. And I hope that, that's, that's where you're at. And, and uh, yeah. Turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. If this is your first time with us, we're uh, we're going through the book of Acts, teaching verse by verse through the book of Acts. And uh, this week we start chapter 12. Man, it's been uh, it's been good for me. Um, I see it in these people who 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 had met Jesus and who were the really the beginning of the church. Um, I see in these people people who who are that who who man just they're just proclaiming and just rejoicing from their heart uh, because of who Jesus is and all that He did. They're they're just proclaiming from their heart and from their life from their mouths, Jesus is King. The excellencies of him who called him out of darkness into into his marvelous light. And it just comes out of them. It's just that's what they live for. That's what they breathe for. That's just who they are. And we get another taste of that this morning in Acts chapter 12. I'm going to read the first uh, five verses. We'll pause there. It says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So it starts off uh, in this section. This is about the time um, Herod lays violent hands on some. And, and when it talks about about that time, we look back to uh, verse 28. 
Remember, there was a a prophet who came to Antioch. We talked about this last week, and he stands up and he says there's going to be a great famine over all the world and tells them that this is going to happen. And and so it's referring back to to the time of of that, uh, to that time where this famine comes across uh, the world. And and so at about that time, Herod the king, um, he's talking about Herod Agrippa I. He reigned from 37 A.D. to to 44 A.D. Um, His son is who we're going to find out later on. If you've read ahead in the book of Acts, Paul encounters uh, King Agrippa and and, uh, actually shares the gospel with him. Okay, stands before him as being tried by him. And uh, Herod uh, Agrippa later on in Acts is this guy's son um, who Paul uh, encounters there. But uh, here we have Herod Agrippa I. And it says he begins to attack the church. And the word it uses is violently. Uh, He lays violent hands on the church. Now, for us, that's kind of our out of our realm of understanding a little bit because we just don't face that. But for them, they're this is another just another notch on their persecution belt. And 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 so things get tough again for the church. Things get really tough. And and that word violent hands, just imagine what that must have been like. It's so bad that it, it says that um, he, he, he lays violent hands on some who belong to the church, not just the apostles. Um, that's who we, the names that are mentioned here uh, in a minute, but but those who belong to the church. He begins to lay violent hands on them. And it says in verse two, it says he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, remember, that's one of the apostles, James and John um, were one of the those were two brothers who were apostles. And, and, and now here's James, one of the apostles who's been killed for following Jesus Christ. And it says he killed him with the sword. And whether whatever the the reason behind that was just just because he was a christian or or because the claim was that he's 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 teaching false doctrine or or untruths or or whatever it is he captures him he kills him with the sword now imagine what it must be like for the church right now i mean the church has been scattered right before we we know that from earlier on remember when stephen is captured and he is he's killed he's stoned he's killed and 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 after that happened persecution just wrecks and 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 door to door to door people are being taken out of their houses they're being in prison some are being killed and it says that the the church in jerusalem scatters and 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 goes as far as antioch we talked about uh last week and that's how the church begins in antioch because of the persecution that scattered the church and people went to antioch and they begin to teach uh the the greek-speaking jews there and this church explodes uh, because the hand of the lord is on them and so they're not this is not new to them this has happened before but imagine now here's one of the apostles james one of the leaders of the church that is now killed. And imagine what's going on in the hearts and in the lives of the church. I mean, this is a real situation here. This is for real to them. And it's not just something that they're reading. It's the apostle James is dead. And what must have been going on in, in their hearts and in their lives? What must be going on in their minds? Surely if, if they've, they've killed Jesus and now they've killed James and they killed Stephen and, and, and are we going to be next? Are they going to kill us next because we're following Jesus? That's, I'm sure that's what they're thinking. And many of them may have been in Jerusalem and, and at the time of, of the, the persecution before with Saul and, and, and just waiting inside their house, waiting for someone to knock on their door and they open the door and they're arrested and, and beaten or whatever else. Just imagine what's going on in the church, what's going on in their minds. Put yourself in that place. 
I've said this before, and, and, and as we, we taught through Mark a couple years ago, and now teaching through Acts, it is, it's too easy for us, guys. It's too easy for us that we just read Scripture, and we just, it's just a story. It's just another story to us. And, uh, you know, we kind of just, we can just brush it off, and, oh, that must have been real tough. Or, or, man, you know, how hard that, imagine the leader of the church, or a leader of the church is killed, and the threat is for them as well. And so here's Herod who, 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 who takes James. He's laying violent hands on, on the Christians, those who are following Christ. He kills James. And it says in, in verse 3, it says, And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Herod had a bad relationship with the Romans. And so he needed the Jews, okay? He needed the Jews to like him. He needed them, uh, he needed their favor. And so when, when Herod um, kills James and he sees that the Jews' response is, this is good, which imagine that, okay? Jesus came and walked among them. He lived among them. He, he performed miracles for them. These are the same ones that even in, in uh, earlier in Acts, um, they're not a part of the church, but, but still, as Peter's walking down the street, they're bringing their sick because they know there's something about this guy. He's connected to someone or something or something's legit that even the unbelievers are bringing their sick and lining them along the sides of the street so that if his shadow passes over them, they know they're going to be healed. Even these people who had seen so much truth, they're glad, they're encouraged, they're supportive. All of these things as James is killed. Herod sees that and he's like, well, this is good. This is going to work in my favor. And so let's go even further. And so he's going to go even further and, and he arrests Peter. Now, when he arrests him, his, his, his thought is, I'm going to kill him too. But as you see in um, uh, the end of verse 3, it says this is during the days of unleavened bread. That's right after the Passover. And so certainly there are tons of people in Jerusalem. And, and that's a great audience for Herod. Um, but 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 his thinking in this is let's wait until the busyness of everyone is settled down. After that, we'll try Peter, which is what it says here, to put him to death as well. And so here's Peter, uh, the leader of the Christians, and James, one of the apostles. Peter's in prison, James is dead. And what does the church do? How does the church respond to that? Verse 4 says, And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So he has four squads of soldiers. That's four groups of four soldiers that are watching him uh, 24-7. And uh, I don't know if all four are connected or chained to Peter or whatever. Uh, maybe it's two at a time, whatever it is. Um, but you've got these four soldiers around the clock. And, and why is that? But if you remember back in, in uh, um, Acts chapter 5, go back to Acts chapter 5. Certainly the leaders remember, right? In Acts chapter 5, verse 19, they imprisoned Peter once before. Acts 5.19, it says, But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. It said, Go stand in the temple. And so, surely the leaders remember once before. We tried this before, right? We tried to imprison this guy before he escaped. So this time we're going to chain him to two guards. Or four guards. However it is, probably two, one on each side. And so they chain him to these guards who are watching him day and night, day and night. Now we've got him, 
right? You're not going anywhere. And so Peter's there in prison. The church is just waiting. Um, but look what they do in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Earnest prayer was made for him to God by the church. The church doesn't look at this circumstance and respond with, we got to get out of here. And the church doesn't look at this circumstance and respond with, what's going on? Maybe there isn't a God. God, how, have you abandoned us? Have you left us? Have, the church doesn't respond that way. When the church gets into a position like this, how did they respond? They draw nearer to God. They run to God. And it says they made earnest prayer for him. Earnest prayer. That, that, that word is the same as when, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says he prayed and, and, and drops of blood. He sweat drops of blood. It's an intense, sincere prayer. Earnest prayer to God for Peter. And here's the church responding. Going to God, not away from God. We've seen this before. Do you remember if, uh, if you go back to Acts chapter... Uh, Four. Acts chapter four. Remember, two of the um, disciples are, are are taken before the council, and they're warned. They say the council tells them, "Don't preach about Jesus anymore. You can't talk about him. You can't preach about him. You can't speak about Jesus anymore." And they go back and tell the church. They stand before the church. Remember, and and uh, and they say. This is what they told us. The people that killed Jesus said, now we can't talk about Jesus or else. And what do they do? Acts chapter 4, verses 23 uh, through 31. We're not going to read the whole thing. But it says in verse 24, and when they heard it, when they came back and told him that they couldn't talk about Jesus anymore, it says they heard that, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And, and they go through these next verses and talk about how you said this stuff was going to happen. You said Jesus was going to die. Um, you said all of these things were going to happen. And verse 29 says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of our holy servant, Jesus. They're responding the same way again. When things get tough, when things get difficult, when, when, when it gets to the point where they can be killed, again, they can be killed for their faith, how do they respond? They don't, they don't separate themselves further from God. They don't run from God. They don't turn, on, turn their back on God and say, how could you, God? How, how could you put us in this circumstance? How could you bring us here? No, they draw near to God. They run to God. They earnestly pray to God. And, and I love that. And we've talked about this before, but Acts, Acts chapter 4, how much it says for them to start their prayer and say, Sovereign Lord. That means you who reigns over this circumstance. That it's the same as if they were to gather together and say, Lord, you who put us in this place, who caused this to happen, who brought us into a place of persecution, we trust you. You've said these things were going to take place and we trust you. Is that what we do when difficult times come? Is that how we respond when tough things happen to us, when bad things happen to us, when, when things get difficult, whether it's for the name of Christ or not for the name of Christ? How do we respond? 
The church here, the church here, they ran. They ran to God. They draw closer to God. They draw near God and they pray knowing that he is the answer. He is their help. He is their strength in times of difficulty. Let's go on a little further, starting with verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Let me pause right there for a second. Not your normal stuff. Um, this is amazing, okay? Just amazing. And... and uh, Here's Peter chained between two soldiers, two guards. And don't miss this part, but right in verse uh, 6 there, what was Peter doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. That's trust in the Lord. That's trusting God. I mean, don't look past that. How many of us, if we were taken prisoner and our friend, our our co-leader was just killed... For the same reason we were taken prisoner, we're going to be tried the next day. How many of us are sleeping soundly? How many of us are sound asleep? He's sound asleep. The angel had to nudge him, maybe kick him, maybe poke him, whatever it is. The angel had to wake him up. So even the bright light of the angel doesn't wake him. He's asleep, trusting God. God's faithful. He's good. And Peter could rely on God. He knew that he could. He knew that he could trust God. He knew that he that God was faithful. He had he had released him before, right? He got him out before, so he's either going to or he's not going to. But also, he could look back in his life. If you remember um, in John chapter 21, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you real quick. But in John 21, he's talking to Jesus. It's right after the whole encounter with uh, he's denied Christ. After the crucifixion, he, he, he has this conversation with Jesus. And, and remember, Jesus asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know. And so three times, this is back and forth. Verse 18 of that same chapter, uh, chapter 21, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter had assurance. Number one, Jesus said, when you're old, this is what's going to happen to you. They're going to stretch your arms out and crucify you. They're going to kill you. Jesus doesn't lie and so he could trust that he knew that sometime in his life he's going to be killed for following christ jesus told him that but he also told him when he was old that was going to happen and so probably if if he believes jesus and he thinks he's not old which everyone thinks they're not old right okay everyone thinks they're not old but he could trust jesus and he knew jesus said that when you're old this is going to happen to you and so if he if he counts as old 
What did Jesus say to him? Follow me. Don't worry about that. Just follow me. He gave him a warning ahead of time. This is what's going to happen to you. You just follow me. And so there's so much of a trust in Peter. There's so much of a just belief in Peter of, of Jesus and who he is and, and how good he really is, that he's sound asleep in this prison. And so here he is asleep in the prison. This angel, behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly. The chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. Here's one thing. We're, we're just going to keep reading through this in a second. But um, sometimes I wonder as, as followers of Christ, okay, those of you who have made a decision and commitment, you're following Christ. If we read this stuff and we really believe it, if we really believe Jesus saved him like this. He saved him, he saved him, he's going to heaven. But do we really believe that this really physically happened? That physically Peter was in a prison and physically he's chained to two soldiers and, and, and literally this angel comes into his cell and, and physically kicks him or pokes him or whatever in the side and wakes him up out of this deep sleep. And this light's shining in the cell. And, and when he does that, he tells him to stand up and his chains fall off of him. Things that don't happen. They just fall off of him. Do we really look at that and say, God, you are so huge. You're so big. You're so good. I can trust you with, with these little circumstances I have. When I look at my circumstances compared to Peter who's waiting to die in prison because he believes in Jesus Christ, my circumstances are so little. But do I trust Christ the way that Peter did? Or do I lay in bed and just think through, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to deal with this situation? How am I, I, I? Or we go to bed and say, Jesus, I'm following you. I'm just following you the best that I can. I love you. I trust you. You are good. You have never, ever, ever, ever failed me. Good night. And go to sleep. Is that how much we trust the Lord with our little circumstances? And, and certainly some of us have huge circumstances. Some of us have big circumstances in our life. Do we trust like this? We trust Jesus who said, cast your cares on me. Do we believe him when he says that? Do we trust him when he says that? Here's Peter who just trusts him and he throws his cares on Christ and he's sound asleep. An angel wakes him up. Verse 9, it says, he went out and followed him. He did not know that he was or what was being done by the angel was real. Thought he was seeing a vision. He'd done that before. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. So here's Peter walking along with this angel. Has no clue that this is real. Has no idea that what's happening is really happening. Gets to the gate, opens up, walks out. Still in a fog, thinks he's having a vision. Thinks the Lord's teaching him something again. Remember a couple chapters back has this vision that the Lord's teaching him something through this vision, right? Maybe it's the same thing. Gets outside the gate 
angel disappears. When Peter came to himself in verse 11, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. He's awake, okay? Now he knows, okay? Now I'm out here. Maybe it's a little cold. Whatever it is, I know this is real. Maybe he pinched himself, whatever. He comes to his senses and he says, Now I know. Now I know that this angel, God has sent this angel and delivered me from this prison and, and he's taken care of me and he's, he's released me from this prison and from everything that the Jewish people and Herod were expecting to happen, he saved me. Verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary. So here he realizes, I'm a prisoner, I'm supposed to die, and I'm standing in the middle of the street, probably need to go somewhere quick. So he realizes this and he goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying, right? Remember, we knew that from verse 5. He gets put in prison. They're expecting him to die. So what do they do? They start to pray. They start to pray. They start to pray. They start to pray. So he goes to that house where they're praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, this is verse 13, and when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. So he gets to this house and he's standing at this outer gate. The servant girl comes out as he knocks on the door and he's like, let me in, let me in. And uh, she's like, no way. I know that voice. That's Peter. She bails. She runs and leaves him out there, right? And she goes to tell everyone inside, he's here, he's here, he's here. And, and, uh, and so verse 15, 14, recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Listen to this. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James, to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Let's pause right there. So the servant girl runs back, and she's like, you're not going to believe this. Now, I love this because she had faith, right? Here's this servant girl. She believed. They've been praying and praying and praying, Lord, deliver Peter, let him go, whatever, okay, whatever they're praying. And now he's standing at the door and the servant girl hears his voice and she's like, it's him. He did it. God did it and runs back and tells everyone else. And what is their response? You're out of your mind. It's, it's late. You must, you're sleepy. Go to sleep or it's his angel. It's just his angel. She's insisting, right? You're out of your mind. She's insisting. I'm telling you, I just heard his voice and left him standing there, right? I just heard him. It's Peter. And they're like, no, no, no. It's just, it's just probably his angel. In, in, that, in the culture, that people would believe that, that each person had an angel, and that angel could take the appearance of the person or looked like the person, okay? And that's probably what they're thinking, probably what they're saying. And, and so they're like, no, nah, it's just his angel, or maybe they're thinking, when, you know, maybe he was already killed secretly and, and maybe the, the Jews did something and, or Herod did something even and, and snuck in and killed him privately. Maybe that's what they're saying by, but, but it's not him, it's just his angel. And she insists, no, 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 no. 
it's Peter. I know it's him. And so finally they go and uh, Peter continued knocking. I love that. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. So um, probably trying to knock quietly so that no one gets woken up in the neighborhood. Um, But verse 17, it says, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He said, tell these things to James, not James, who was just killed the apostle, but James, the brother of Jesus and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. This is um, except for one other spot. uh, This is the last time we really see Peter in the book of Acts. um, Last encounter that we have with him. And, And it's kind of where he kind of, steps out of the scene and really where where paul um really makes the presence uh in 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 acts and kind of comes to the forefront as the the main guy in the book of acts from here on out and so um he leaves verse uh 18 now when day came there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of peter imagine that okay imagine the soldiers waking up in the morning they're like uh, you know he's gone <laughs> like and he's just gone and like they're gone prison doors open not a good thing if you're a soldier by the way find out here there's no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of peter and after herod searched for him did not find him he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death and he went down from judea to caesarea and spent time there and so uh herod a little ticked off that Peter's gone, and and uh, if you're a soldier, if you're a guard, and your guy gets out, it's on you. And so they they kill the the, the sentry there that's guarding, and and uh, the sentries plural that's guarding, and and uh, he's put to death. But here's here's the thing I want us to think through um, as we're finishing this up. But uh, how often we pray and we pray and we pray for things, and uh, how many of us are surprised when God says yes? How many of us talk ourselves out of it when God says yes? I would pray for things. We'll pray for big things. And we'll pray for healing. We, have, we know someone and, and, and whatever it is, we're praying, God, please heal, please heal, please heal, please heal. And all of a sudden, they go back to the doctor and it's like they're cured. What's our first response usually? Well, that's That's amazing. I wonder if the doctors were wrong. I wonder if they really had cancer. I wonder if that, I wonder if that's amazing. Honestly. Honestly, our first response when big things happen, I feel like our first response is we try to think of another way that this could have happened because the supernatural, like God doing something big would be a little too scary and demand a little more sacrifice, right? Uh, if God's like doing something like right there in front of us, that that's going to scare me into serving him more. And so let's think of something different first. And and honestly, or we'll pray for something, pray for something, pray for something, and God will do it. And we're just like, no, God didn't do that. I wouldn't do that. He doesn't love me that much. He doesn't care about me that much. And we doubt and we say that we're praying and we pray and, and, and people come to us and, 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 and they'll say, man, this is, this is going on in my life. I, I need a job or, or man, my, my, my mom is sick or whatever it is. I'm really struggling with this. I'm, I'm really being tempted. 
really being tempted in this area of my life, would you pray for me? Or then you say it, and we'll just tell them, you know what? Let me pray for you. I want to pray for you. I'm going to put you on my prayer list, or whatever we want to, whatever we call it. And maybe we do. Maybe we're committed enough that we go and we pray. And maybe we even use the word that, that's used in this passage. We make earnest prayer for this person or these people or whatever it is. But do we really, really believe that God's going to answer? Do we really, really believe that God, the creator of all things, creator of heaven, creator of earth, creator of everything, is going to say yes? Or is able to say yes. So much so that when he does, do we respond with, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or do we even respond with, I knew it. I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were able. I knew you were good. I knew, I knew that you were going to do this, Lord. Because you're so good. You're so loving. You're so kind. You're so gracious. You, you spoil us with your goodness. You spoil us with your kindness. Is that how we respond to God? Or do we just pray as just a routine thing? Do we just pray and, and that way, man, once we get to heaven, if this person, if it doesn't work out for him, then at least we can say, hey, I prayed. You know, I prayed. Do we really believe when we pray? Do we really know that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine? Do we really believe that? Now, here's these, these followers of Christ, and, and I, I'm not doubting their faith. I'm not doubting their faith. I, I mean, I see their faith. They didn't run. There's a threat of them dying for following Christ, and they didn't leave. So I see their faith. I mean, they're there living for Christ, and yet even them, when God says yes, when God answers, there's this, no, you're out of your mind. How do we respond? Do we believe? Do we believe that God is able to do far more than all that we ask or think? And if not, man, what are we doing in our life to make that change? You know, as I, as I was walking this morning, I shared at the beginning, I was just thinking through, am I really just dwelling on who God is. I was reading um, this past week, and, and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to take too much time with it, but in First Peter, we, we've, we know we've taught through this book, and but in First Peter chapter two, um, verse nine, we sang this song this morning. It says, "But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people." For his own possession. You're these things. As the church, you are these things. A chosen race, chosen by God, a royal priesthood, having, having invitation to come before the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. A holy nation set apart, a people for his own possession. Why? Why are we those things? It goes on and tells us why. That, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
Why? Why are, we, why are we the church? Why are we called? Why are we chosen? Why are we a holy nation? Why? Why? So that we will proclaim how excellent, how good, how wonderful, how marvelous He is who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Are we believing that and dwelling on that? Are we thinking about that? Are we just, are we praying and really, really looking at God's word and just saying, God, you are excellent. You're wonderful. You're, you're beautiful. You're incredible. You're good. You never fail. Your, your loving kindness goes on and on and on and on for everlasting to everlasting. You're so good. And I just want to proclaim the excellencies of you. And so I'm going to pray believing that you are good and you're excellent that you're able to deliver, you're able to save, you're able. But I'm also going to pray and acknowledge that no matter what you do, you are excellent, you are good, you are kind. Your loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. And I'm going to worship you and I'm going to proclaim your excellencies because you are good. You are great. And you've called me to proclaim that and show that, to demonstrate that, to be a picture of that to everyone that I come in contact with. As a part of the church, you've called our church to proclaim the excellencies. First step in that is believing that He is excellent, that He is good, that He is everything that He truly is, and that He reveals to us through His Word. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much. You are so good. You're so amazing. And Lord, we are amazed by you. And if we just stop, if we just stop the hurrying and the rushing and the so being consumed with with me and, and with my stuff and with my agenda and with my direction, and if we just stop being consumed with ourselves and just gaze into your face through your word, as we gaze into your face, we see how excellent you are. We see how trustworthy you are. We see how beautiful you are. We see how loving you are, how kind you are. We see how gracious you are, how powerful you are, and that you are able to do whatever you set your mind to do. How, no matter how big it is or how big it seems to us, how little it seems to us, in the midst of all that, you say that you love us so much. Your word says that you rejoice over us with loud singing. How could we doubt? How could we doubt that love? You've demonstrated in so many ways, and you gave us Jesus, Lord. You gave us Jesus. How could we, how could we keep from singing that and telling that, proclaiming that? I just pray this morning that you would increase our faith, Lord. We'd stop lying in bed and trying to figure things out ourselves and worrying about things ourselves and just, just cast our cares on the one who's so good. And, and when there's a knock on the gate and a knock on the door that says it happened, we don't doubt it. We just believe. We trust you and we, we celebrate and rejoice and praise you and say, I knew it. I, I just knew it. You're so good and you're so able God, be glorified through us as a church. Be glorified through us as your people. 
Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know that, just doesn't see and, and understand and doesn't know that you are so good and you're true and you're trustworthy, I pray that you'd open their eyes and open their heart. Speak into their heart, God. Shine into their heart. As your word says, that you would shine, that they would see the light of the knowledge of the glory of you in the face of Jesus Christ and that they would believe, that they would treasure you, that they would love you, that they would follow you, God. Pray for that, Lord. That comes from you because of you are good. God, may we be a church and a people who believes in you and trusts in you and and then loves you so much that we fulfill our purpose, that we proclaim the excellencies of you who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, God. And would you bless and have your hand on that. Just like the, the apostles who were in the similar circumstance earlier and prayed, Sovereign Lord, we don't want to stop talking about you. We don't want to stop proclaiming your excellencies. We just ask that you would give your servants boldness as we talk about you and live for you and shine for you. And, and then you do the miracles. You do the things that we're unable to do, God. We love you and we praise you for this time, God. We thank you so much for your word and how you teach us and how you shape us and how you encourage us and how you strengthen us and how you remind us of how great you are. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.